Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. So practice, you got to do practice, I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being gone. It's more like an ability to let go. Um, can you just talk a little bit about the dark night of the soul? Oh. I, I know. <laughs> so Ram Dass talks a lot about how as you awaken or you go on the spiritual journey, the passions of life start to kind of fall away. And for me personally, it can be such a relief some days oh, yeah. when I look out and I see people that really think that this is it and that car is it and doing this and winning is it and I kind of see through it and then there are days where I just want to go back to sleep because I want to be lost in it and I it's it's so hard sometimes I mean just to Mm -hmm. I don't know you everybody's going bowling as Ram Dass says in his talks and you don't want to bowl anymore it's just like I can take it or leave it and are we just supposed to get to that point where the highs are gone the lows are gone and we're just here now? <laughs> Just kidding. Like be here now, you mean? Oh, wow. I never thought of that. Uh, yes and no, of course. Uh, um, dryness of heart is not something that's useful. So when shit doesn't work for you anymore, you can start to feel very dry and very disconnected from life and very, uh, you know, you can really feel like isolated from things and cut off. So that's not useful. That's neurosis, essentially. But the problem is that we're so used to to trying to squeeze water from a stone that everything we see, we try to squeeze and bring out pleasure from it. It's very hard to break that habit so that when it's not working for whatever reason, uh, your hands are still going like this, but there's nothing there, you know? That's why, that's why there has to kind of, that's why when you have a practice that you've been doing for a while and you recognize that you understand that you're not supposed to be, it's not about how you feel. How you feel is irrelevant. You do the practice. If, you, if it makes you feel a certain way, and you're still doing the practice in that moment, that feeling becomes the object of awareness, and you come back from being lost in how good this feels. Then you can also extend that to how bad this feels. You get lost in that. And the more you're used to letting go, the more you've trained yourself 
not to be identified so strongly with the experience, you come back naturally a little quicker. So it doesn't feel dry. The dryness is that you still wish there was something coming from that stone, which there isn't. But when you become aware of that, so you have to get used, that's what I was saying, it's not easy. It takes time to, to cultivate that motion of letting go. So Sri Ramakrishna was a very, very great saint who lived in India in the 1800s. And he talked about the way the practice of the repetition of the name works, for instance. There are other practices, of course, but just one. And he said, every repetition of the name is a seed that gets planted in your mind stream, so to speak, in your heart stream, in your life. And just like the seed of a huge tree carries that whole tree in a tiny little seed, that potential, that energy, that whatever it is, is all in that little seed of a huge oak tree. So these seeds get planted through the repetition then. He said, every single repetition of one of these names is a seed, okay? Just take it or leave it, it's a seed. So that gets planted, you've planted it through the repetition of the name. So he said, some of those seeds might get caught by the wind and blown miles and miles and get stuck on the roof of an old house in the jungle. And in those days, the tiles on some of those roofs were baked in the sun, not necessarily in a kiln. And so the seeds of the repetition of the name get stuck between these tiles. And then over rain and snow and wind and seasons changing, the tiles start to break down, okay? And then the seeds, the roots from the seeds start to grow. And the roots grow and grow and grow, and they destroy the roof of the house. And they keep growing. And they wind up destroying the whole house. Ramakrishna says, that house is who you think you are. So, it's going to happen. You plant the seeds and you live your life. But what's being dissolved is your... So that house was built, right? There was just space before, and then somebody built a house. And those walls and roof of that house separated the inside from the outside. Like who you think you are and who everybody else thinks they are in the room. There's all these little houses here. They say the repetition of the name gradually destroys that temporary sense of separateness. It's just temporary because the house was built for certain reasons. There were causes and conditions that built the house. You needed to protect yourself from the rain and the sun. You had a family. You wanted to protect from the tigers and the elephants, so you built a house. Through the repetition of the name, you're liberated from that sense of separateness, and you're opened up into everything. You've become one with the whole universe. The space, and even, the trick is that even when the house was there, the space inside was not different than the space outside. So the space inside of me is not different than the space inside of you and the space inside of which we're all living. When the walls come down, we're everywhere. 
It's not we've lost nothing. We've gained the whole universe. You don't disappear. You get here. So, so that's, the, that's the fruit of practice. And you notice, Ramakrishna doesn't say, oh, when you're practicing, it'll feel like this or that or one thing or another. Why? Because it's irrelevant. When you're repeating the name, the only thing that's relevant is the name. Anything you're thinking, feeling, remembering, dreaming about, wanting, not wanting, blah, 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 blah. Let it go, come back. Until there's no letting go because there's nothing to let go of and you're here all the time, nowhere. Nothing grabs you. Thoughts will continue to come. They'll float through like birds. They won't grab you. You'll still be here. Even when thoughts are thinking, you won't be thinking them. They'll be there to think, like I better go to work. Okay, something like that. But you don't identify with it. It doesn't, that glomming, the glue is gone. So that dryness comes from uh, not really being through with stuff. Who is anyway, right? We're all here. So you don't want to judge yourself for that. You don't want to put yourself down. You don't want to evaluate. That's all thinking. But we do it so much that we think that it's necessary. We should be thinking. Not necessary, except, you know, at certain times you have to kind of think. But that, those times disappear gradually, and then thinking just happens when it's supposed to. But uh, the dryness, you know, I don't know if, if that really qualifies as the dark night of the soul. It can get darker than that. But uh, on this path, those moments of darkness, all that energy fuels the longing to be free, fuels the longing to connect more deeply with what we want to connect with. Oh, it's a good thing, ultimately. It's a dark night of the soul, but there's a morning right after the night. Huh? What? It's not just one night, dark night of the soul. It's like could be months, years. Yeah, yeah. It's so not a human, not a not a physical day. It could take you lifetimes. But what it does is it fuels the longing to be free. It's an intensification of the recognition of the fact that nothing you've done has worked, which is a good recognition to have. I'm sorry, it's gotta come. So, yeah. It's a quarter to six. Okay, one more question back there. I'm sorry, I got, I, wait, oh no, yeah, two more. One and then Tim. And then, what time do we have to be out of here? Who's in charge? Somebody's in charge. Not me. Ah, sorry. Did you get your bag? Yeah, okay. Hi. Wait, one second. Who's in charge here? Laura, where are you? Wake up. Hi. What time do we have to be out of here? What'd you say? 
We have till 7.30. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> right, something doesn't feel right about that. <laughs> Laura, yeah. what time does your room have to be cleared? 7.30, I'd say. 7.30? But we should close by 6. Okay, you can leave now. Thank you. Okay, so here's the deal. Two questions, then we're going to sing a little bit. But when we stop singing, please leave the room. Don't come up to the front. I'll come out in the back. And if you want to talk to me and say hello, I'll be out there. But we're going to clear the room fast. At the last ohm, I'm going to open my eyes and you will all have vaporized. Okay, so two questions. You and then that gentleman over there. Okay. Hi. Uh, first of all, thank you for taking my question. I appreciate it. I didn't... Um, Really, the only reason why I wanted to uh, speak was just to thank you personally. Uh -huh. um, just because like, your music has helped me so much, and that's why I'm here. And I never thought in a million years that I'd get a chance to sit here and actually speak with you. So thank you so much um, for your music, especially Pilgrim Heart. I absolutely love that album. Uh, I spent a few years in Peru working with indigenous healers huh. in the Amazon. and. Um, yeah, it got really dark at times, and then sometimes I'd work with ayahuasca. I don't know if I'm sure yeah. you've heard of it, mm -hmm. but of uh, it. sometimes after ceremony, I just I just put on your your music, and it would lift me uh -huh. literally while you were puking me. your guts out. Right? Yep. Yeah, so thank you. You're you, welcome. You, you helped me through music some pretty to puke hard by. Time. Wonderful. Thank you. Also, okay, so I figure I might as well have a question or two. Okay. Um, one, uh, I don't know if the, the S.D. Young Wolf, does that ring a bell? Say what? S.D. Young Wolf, does I've that name ring a yeah, bell? Yeah, yeah, sure he does. Yeah, yeah, so he's a friend of mine. Oh. Um, yeah, I know him since 1968. Yeah, so he came down to see me when I was in Peru, and uh -huh. he chanted during ceremony, and yeah. what came out was just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, the energy and just the uh, the vibration, and um, I just wanted to ask you in your chants because you know a lot of healers are trained to visualize mm -hmm. when you're chanting. Um, do you were you trained to visualize at all? Like I wasn't trained to shit. <laughs> Okay, so because I wasn't sure, because also I study medical qigong uh -huh. and uh, learning a lot about distance healing. Then you and were usually, trained to shit. Yeah, no, but you're you're taught yeah. to visualize yeah, when you're I'm working. Even, yeah, and, I just sing. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> well, whatever you're doing, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you. it, okay. and it's wonderful to be here, and it's wonderful to next. Thank see you. you. <laughs> <laughs> that gentleman over there. Come on, you guys. Come on up. Get ready. Um, just a quick question. All this talk about uh, Ram Dass and acid and ayahuasca, mm -hmm. and you know, there's sooner or later we always get to this. I know. So yeah. there's all this renaissance in psychedelics, and Michael Pollan's book came out. Yeah. I was wondering, did they have a role in your spiritual growth, and do you think? Oh, they I, a... I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for psychedelics. There's no question. At least in my mind, that's the way it looks. So what do you? I see took as... I took peyote uh, between my junior and senior year of high school. A friend of mine had come back from the Southwest with some peyote buttons, which is mescaline, essentially, and uh, absolutely changed my life. I took it. After I finished puking, uh, I just went, oh, this is what it is. I, there was no doubt in my mind that what I was seeing was a deeper reality than Long Island in the 60s. 
So I guess my question then around that is, so there's, now there's a renaissance, people seem to really be into it, somehow that's going to lead to spirituality, but obviously, you know, you saw your guru, what do you see as a proper role or what place do they play in all this? It's different for everybody. I don't think there's one rule for anybody. It's different. If you feel that you really want to take some, some drug like that, knock yourself out, so to speak. <laughs> Who's going to tell you what to do? There's nothing. Maharaji himself called it the yogi medicine. You know, and he took it twice. Ramdas gave it to him twice. The first time was the very first time Ramdas met him. And he took three or four hits. I mean, he said to Ramdas, Ramdas didn't. Ramdas went to India the first time with a bunch of acid because he knew it had changed his life, but he didn't know what it was. So he went to find that. He said, maybe somebody in India will know what it is. So he went and giving it to people, all chai wallas, <laughs> you know, uh, rickshaw wallas, you know, storekeepers, anybody who wanted some got some. And nobody went, some people liked it, some people didn't. But. But they all are, oh, oh. So then he's sitting in front of Maharaji the first time, and Maharaji says, uh, you have some medicine? So Ramdas thought he meant like an aspirin or something. So he takes out a bottle of aspirin. He said, nay, nay, the yogi medicine. The yogi medicine, he must mean acid. So he, he said, yeah, he said, give it to me. So he put his hand out like this, and there were like three or four tabs of acid, each one strong enough to put a horse on the moon. <laughs> Maharaji threw them all in his mouth. And then they sat around all day and nothing happened. It was the same, no difference whatsoever. That was really powerful for Ramdas. I mean, it wasn't the most powerful. The most powerful thing was the love that he felt from Maharaji. But the next day this happened and then he went, oh, Jesus, you know, he's beyond acid. Which was a big thing because it changed his life completely, right? Okay, so then Ramdas came back a couple of years later, and this time he came, uh, I was traveling with him, and uh, we came to see Maharaji at one point, and I was sitting there. Now, when he came back from India the first time, he told the story I just told you, right? But people were saying to him, ah, oh, come on, he must have thrown it over his shoulder, he didn't take it, nobody could take that much acid. And even though Ramdas believed it, I, there was just a little bit of doubt. You know, I mean, really, how could somebody? I, I don't you know, I don't know. But in the back of his mind, there was a little bit of doubt. He never said anything to anybody. But so there we were, two years later, sitting with Maharaji, and Maharaji says, "When you were in India last time, did you give me medicine?" "Yes." "Did I take it?" Yes. Oh. Got some more? <laughs> yes. Give it to me. Ramdas put his hand out like this with four hits of Owsley acid. Unbelievable. And Maharaji went like this. I swear to you, I was sitting right there. He goes like this. Four times. And then after a couple of minutes, he goes, can I drink water? Cold water? Hot water? And then after a couple of minutes, he takes his blanket and he pulls it up over his head like this. And then he goes. 
Ramdas turned purple. And he thought, oh my God, I've killed my guru. He knew I had some doubts and he wanted to prove he could do it. And now I've killed my guru. What's going to happen? You know, the minute he thought that, Maharaja just stopped. And he said, yogis have known about this for thousands of years. Used to grow up in the Kulu Valley. And he said something very interesting. He said, a yogi would go and he would, he would do... Uh, he would do essentially Ashtanga Yoga. He would quiet. He would he would do uh, Yama Niyama. Then he would calm the body, calm the breath. He would bring the mind to one point, and then he would take the medicine and go through the door. He said, "For a yogi, no poison can affect him," and that was it. The rest of the day was just like any other day. He was completely beyond those things, which is inconceivable to us. So. But he said, uh, somebody, once, a person should take this when his mind is quiet and he's in a cool place, not overheat. But um, he called it the yogi medicine. He said, it's good for beginners. <laughs> so you have to, you know, whatever, knock yourself out. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> it's up to you. Whether it's going to change all your karmas, who knows? Some people don't have good experiences. Some people hang on and it's scary and whatever. Some people open up. For me, it was like getting away from my mother <laughs> and into playland. I would play with my dog in the snow for hours and hours. I just was so happy just playing, that's all. It was really wonderful, it really liberated me from my stuff. I hate, you know, all that hard, nasty, dark stuff, hatred in myself and anger and all that. It just lifted me out of that. And it showed me there must be something underneath all this stuff, something else. And uh, Maharaji told this one guy, his father came to, to India, you know, Maharaji told him, take him to Benares, which is this incredible city on the banks of the Ganga where they have a burning ghat, where they burn all the bodies, you know. He said, take him to Benares and give him acid, give him the yogi medicine. So he took his father to Benares and gave him, the guy had a trip to change his life. He turned into from a very uptight advertising executive. He, he bought a farm and horses, invited everybody to come stay. But, you know, it's up to you. Ultimately, one has to deal with oneself and one has to, has to learn to trust one's own heart. Whatever it is, you have nobody who knows better than you. Somebody can tell you what they think you should do. You could agree with them, okay, but you're agreeing with them. You're trusting that. Sometimes it leads you into a lot of suffering. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to learn hard lessons about what, how to find what you want. And a lot of the times it's finding, recognizing that you found something you didn't want. So you have to come back. The whole spiritual path, whole life is about one thing, learning to trust your own heart. Every day, all day, very hard to do because nobody tells us about that. Nobody. Our parents didn't know. Their parents didn't know. Their parents didn't know. How could we know? 
if we know at all, it's from the karmas we brought into this life coming to fruition right now. So whatever's going to help you, experiment. See. Or don't. Whatever. But also see what your motivations are for doing something that you don't know what it's going to be. A wild card. Why would you do that? Can't deal with this moment? What's your problem? You need some self-awareness about these things and what your motives are. There's nowhere you can go where you're not going to be, no matter how much acid you take. It just might look a little different. It might be scary. It might not be. You don't know. So what's your motive for taking a shot like that? I don't know, but hopefully you will. Okay. Remember to vaporize after we sing. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org. K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram.